Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 14. You may be watching this video or listening before Wednesday or after. We schedule these on Sundays and Wednesdays. And this time, Acts chapter 14 is our location. Acts chapter 14. The book of Acts is primarily a type of writing we may describe as historical narrative because Luke gives us a sequence of events accompanied by people. He tells us what happened with respect to the work of the apostles of Christ spreading the gospel after Jesus ascended back into heaven. We're going through the book of Acts, taking one chapter for each class, and we like to start with what I call four fast facts and then read and study the text, this time in Acts chapter 14. Four fast facts. In chapter 13 and 14, this is about what is commonly called Paul's first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel to Jews and also to Gentiles. They are doing something else we will see in this class. They are teaching, encouraging, and strengthening new Christians. Sometimes we call that edification. As the word spreads and as this edification work occurs, the persecution increases. But there is only so much the persecutors are able to do. They cannot crush the movement. They cannot bind or kill or destroy the Word of God working in the lives of people. When we left Paul and Barnabas at the end of the last class, they were leaving Pisidian Antioch. And that brings us now to Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. The local synagogues would be places where there would be Jews who believed in God and perhaps familiar with the promises of the Old Testament. It is also not unusual for there to be some Gentiles present, proselytes, or Gentiles who were simply interested, who believed in God and wanted to hear more about Him and what He expected. In Iconium, they found Jews 
and Gentiles and a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. In Iconium, there was also the reality of persecution. Luke says the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Of course, this negative reaction did not keep Paul and Barnabas from their task, speaking boldly for the Lord, as the Lord granted more signs and wonders to confirm the message. The New Living Testament translation published by Tyndale has an interesting rendering of verse 3 about the miracles. The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. I think that puts miracles in exactly the right context. The Lord proved their message was true. How did he do that? By giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Yet, the community was divided, an effort to stone Paul and Barnabas was initiated. Their judgment was to move on to Lystra and Derby and the surrounding area. Verse 7, they continued to preach the gospel. At the point where many people would quit, give up, go home, abandon the whole project, Paul and Barnabas continue preaching the gospel. A strange thing happened at Lystra, as I continue at verse 8 in Acts chapter 14. Verse 8 is our location. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they call Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. 
So first in this paragraph, a crippled man was made well, a man who had never walked, the NIV says, from birth. Remember the function of these miracles now. We've just talked about this. These miracles serve to confirm that God was behind the work and message of these men. And the gospel Paul and Barnabas, uh, Barnabas delivered was God's message, the truth. In Lystra, because of their background and their perception as pagans, their reaction was, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Their perception and their impulse was so strong, they even named Paul and Barnabas according to their false perceptions. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. Then a pagan priest comes out, bringing gifts and sacrifices to these two gospel preachers. All this prompted the strongest reaction on the part of Paul and Barnabas. They displayed their displeasure. We also were men of like nature with you. This becomes the point of contact. So notice how this leads to the affirmation of the truth that these people needed to hear. This is what Paul's follow-up was. <clears throat> we bring you good tidings that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. The first thing these people need to know is there is one God, the Creator. Repentance and baptism can be taught in due time. First, they need to concentrate on this. They need to know it is not about Zeus. There is a God. And in verses 16 through 18, Paul says, In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Two quick notes before we move ahead into chapter 14. Barnabas is called an apostle simply because the word means sent out and he was sent out. He is not an apostle of Christ in the same sense as Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 says that Paul engaged in the signs that certified he was an authentic apostle in the first sense. Paul not only affirms God's existence, he offers a sketch of the evidence. Did you hear that? He did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. That's Acts 14, up through verse 18. We are still uh, at Lystra, and I'm going to read 19 through 23. Acts 14, 19 through 23. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. 
when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The persecution arrives in this section at another level of violence. Paul is stoned and dragged out of the city thinking he was dead. There were Christians in that area, new Christians who gathered around him discovering he was not dead. Here at this point, we have further evidence of Paul's faith, commitment, and courage. He got up and went back into the city. The next day on to Derby, then back to Lystra, back to Iconium, then to Antioch. Notice carefully what Paul and Barnabas were doing as they went back through to see these new Christians, they're involved in edifying, teaching, encouraging these Christians. I'll go back and talk about that more in my takeaways. For the moment, let me say, new Christians were not left without encouragement and edification for the future growth and development in their lives. 24 to 28, Acts 14 the last paragraph now, <coughs> 24 to 28. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. That's Acts chapter 14. In a moment, I'll introduce the map again. This is their return to Antioch. They're making a U-turn, it could be said, in this missionary journey. And this brings to an end the first missionary journey after about 1,400 miles in just over a year. As you examine the map, let me point out uh, there is a New Testament epistle that ties into this area, Galatia. These churches were located in southern Galatia. It's time for our takeaways, and I have a number of takeaways from Acts 14 and I plan to uh, touch on these briefly. When the gospel is preached, not everybody responds the same way. So the preaching of the gospel can result in polarizing people. It is here in Acts 14.4, For the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. Actually, Jesus said this very thing would happen. I'm going to read back from Luke 12, 49 to 53. He said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, 
and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They, they will be divided, father against son, and son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. It is disturbing that this happens. It is sad that sometimes within families there is not unity of faith. It is because when people hear the truth of the gospel, they have a choice. And not everybody may make the right choice within a family, within a group. Some may make the right choice, but others may not make that choice. Division. This is a reality. It will be good for us to come to terms with. Pray that people will respond obediently to the gospel, but understand that many will not make that good choice so people can be polarized within a family or a group. That's reality. There's something in verse 3, a phrase I want to highlight. They bore witness to the word of His grace. I want us to observe the contrast. There are unbelieving Jews poisoning the minds of the Gentiles. And we would say that is extremely ungracious. While this absence of grace was going on, Paul and Barnabas are not hindered in preaching a message of grace from God made available through Jesus Christ. When opposed, there is some temptation to change the message or perhaps to become as hostile as your enemies. It is never good to imitate the tactics of your enemies. Now, as to the tactics of the apostles, they were not intimidating, far from it. As the trouble continued, they became even bolder in their preaching of the gospel. Idolatry was very hard to give up, but some did. The pagan Greeks lined up gods one right after the other, and even built altars to unknown gods just in case they might have missed one. We're going to see that later in chapter 17. Idolatry had such a strong hold on people uh, who had not accepted the natural evidence of a single creator. These people in southern Galatia illustrate how the practice of idolatry had a powerful hold on people from one generation to another. Idolatry was hard to give up, but I repeat that some did give it up. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 8 through 10, please listen. The Lord's message rang out from you, Paul is writing to Christians. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave it. 
They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This leads me to say there is nothing that has the power to lock someone into a lifestyle they cannot get out of by hearing, believing, and obeying the gospel. Look at verse 15, where Paul and Barnabas react to the attempts to worship them. And what they say is, we also are men. This may remind you of something we studied in Acts 10. When Cornelius came into Peter, Cornelius fell down at the feet of Peter and worshipped him, and Peter said, Stand up, I too am a man. It is clear the apostles did not accept worship. They shunned self-exaltation. They made it clear they were just men. Men enabled and inspired by the Holy Spirit, men who delivered the truth, men who were able to confirm that they were authentic messengers by the miracles the Holy Spirit gave them, but they firmly resisted all efforts of people to worship them or make them gods. Pride can slip in. When a man enjoys some prominence or delivers a message that people listen to, the apostles, however, demonstrated courage, discipline, resisting any efforts to worship them or make them out to be gods. That humility is a great model for preachers and teachers and all of us. Again, I was reading from the New Living Translation and found another good rendering in verse 15. Friends, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. When we affirm that there is a God, we need to accompany that affirmation with at least a sketch of the evidence. Let me say that again. When we affirm that there is a God, we need to accompany that affirmation with at least a sketch of the evidence. And that's done here, Acts 14, 15, and 16. Men, why are you doing these things? We also were men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn away from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts and food with gladness. People can know there is a creator. Before they hear about Jesus Christ, the gospel, and the church, there is amazing, abundant, loud evidence of God's existence in the created world. And here, Paul gives a sketch of that natural evidence. When we speak with people who deny there is a God, we need to call to their attention the evidence. Romans 1 
is one of the strongest statements calling attention to the evidence of God's existence. Read Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Read that with people who are not certain there is a God. Here's something extremely important in verses 22 and 23 of Acts 14. Listen again, Acts 14, 22 and 23. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. When people are baptized, that is their beginning as forgiven sinners, new disciples of Christ. After baptism, much follow-up teaching is needed. It has happened people are taught enough to be baptized, but not given additional teaching. That sometimes results in a person getting wet, but not really becoming a Christian for the rest of their lives. The souls of the disciples must be strengthened, New Christians need encouragement. Old Christians need encouragement. Teaching, edification, growth, those things cannot be neglected. Whether we're in a building or we are online, those things cannot be neglected. Your presence here viewing this recording is an indication. You understand the continuing need for education and edification as a disciple of Christ. In verse 27, when they get back to the church that sent them in Antioch of Syria, in giving their report, here's what stands out. It is not, look at what we did, or look at what we went through. It was this. They declared all that God had done with them. God is the subject of their work, their lives, our lives. They declared all that God had done with them. They preached Christ and Him crucified and gave all the glory to God. One more thing about the church in Antioch. In many ways, the church at Antioch in Syria is a model church forming a good example for us. Their generosity is highlighted, remember back in Acts 11, 27 to 30. They had gifted, diligent leaders. They sent men out to preach. As we learned in chapter 13, verse 1, they were multi-ethnic in their makeup, Christians who worshiped the Lord with sincere hearts and wanted sinners to hear the gospel. We want you to hear the gospel. We want your friends and neighbors to hear the gospel. Share this video. Get your friends and neighbors involved in this reading and study of the Bible and the book of Acts in particular. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you for being with us during this recording.